0: for a morning crowd, that's good. You've all had the the good coffee here. Um, A few years ago, uh, we were camping with some friends, and me and two other mom friends started uh, swapping labor stories. Now, uh, whether or not this is something that's familiar to you, uh, don't worry, I'm not gonna get graphic or anything. Um, But at the time I had three kids, so I had three labor stories to contribute. And uh, so we're kind of going back and forth. And then my first friend talked about her 56 hour labor. She had like everything that can go wrong, except her and the baby were fine, which is good, but like everything went wrong. She had so much pain. And then the second friend, who has two kids, she says, I loved labor. And we're like, are you, are you crazy? She said, I loved labor. Now in case this is not a familiar thing to you, I want you to know that this is not a normal person um, response to the most excruciating pain, like <laughs> known to mankind. My husband always joke like if he wants to really try and get under my skin, he's like, I don't think it was that bad. And I'm like, yeah, you just, <laughs> you don't know. You don't know. So she says she loves labor. This is not a normal response. And this is what she said. She said there was something about knowing that all that pain was going to result in something so beautiful and precious on the other side of it. It's something perfect that was coming to pass. And she goes, I don't know, it just made me love it. Now, think about that for a second. There's something precious and perfect coming to pass, and there's greater purpose. She understood that there was greater purpose to the pain that she was going through. Now, Like I said, you may or may not relate to this story, but I'd be willing to bet if you've spent any amount of time on planet Earth, you have known some pain. Perhaps right now you're carrying some of that pain. Maybe it's like paper cut pain, or maybe it's like open wound, gaping, hurting kind of pain. There's so many different kinds that we can run into in this life. There can be, you know, something that just happened kind of acutely. Maybe something was said to you at work this week or by a loved one. Maybe there was a disappointment in a circumstance that you have been facing, or maybe there's, you know, a change in your support system and you're feeling all alone. Maybe there's been a a season shift. Maybe you have encountered a really painful blindside. Life has surprised you. There's been loss. There's been loss of loved ones. There's been a diagnosis. Maybe there's been an infertility journey. Or maybe you have some chronic pain. It's like, I don't even actually know what it feels like to not hurt or not to be in pain. Maybe you have some painful experiences from your upbringing from those years. Maybe you've got some ongoing parenting or marriage challenges that just don't seem to be going away anytime soon. Maybe you've got holes from your family experience, but whatever it is, I know a few things about pain, no matter what kind of pain you are going through. Number one, pain doesn't discriminate. And this is why we need a a better strategy, like the one, the perspective that my friend had on her labor is because whether it is, uh, whether you're young or you're old, you're male, you're female, you're from here, you're not from here, pain has a way of finding all of us. We can't compartmentalize our pain. When we're hurting, we're hurting. And if we were to go around the room, like if I were to put my mic down and I just said, turn to the person beside you and just... Share something that's been hard. We would run out of time. You'd be like, I'm hungry for lunch, and we're not done kind of going around the room. Now, I know Pastor Dan always says that he doesn't make you do weird things here, but I can because because uh, right. <laughs> I'm just a guest guest speaker here today. So anyways, if there's just something right now that you're like, and you don't have to say what it is, but just like raise your hand if there's just something in your life that feels a bit painful right now. Okay, just look around for a second. Some of you don't have your hands up, good for you. Sometimes people say like, you're either coming out of a storm, you're in one, or like you're heading in, but all of our time will come. But you can see that pain doesn't discriminate. Everybody um, has been through it. Number two, pain can make us lose perspective. Uh, Pain is really demanding. You typically can't ignore it. And it's hard to give attention to anything else. When I was in labor the second time, uh, I was laboring at home and I was like on my hands and knees and it was getting really intense. And when it got really intense, my mom comes into the room and she's holding my cell phone and she's like, hi, your sisters want to know how you're doing. And I'm like, get out of my room. (laughs) She's like, "Okay, I'll tell them it's going well. And she (laughs) she, you know, kind of backed out. But like pain is. Is demanding and it causes you to lose perspective. I don't normally have those type of conversations um, with my mother, but pain can cause us to lose perspective. And the last thing I know about pain, pain is really, really hard to interpret. It's hard to interpret. Why would a loving God, who's powerful, who could fix, who could heal, who could do anything, why would he choose not to? Why would he allow Suffering, And I read this quote years ago, and this just resonated from a book my, my friend wrote, and it said, if pain doesn't stop you, cause you to stop believing in God, it may tempt you to stop trusting him. I don't know about you guys, but typically people who hurt me, I'm like, I don't want to be close to you. If people hurt me, I'm like, how can I create distance between them and me? A couple of years ago, I was with one of my kids at public health and they were getting a few needles and it was, I think it was the 18 month age where they start to remember, <laughs> you know, when they're little, they just, you can like poke them and they cry and then they don't even remember a couple minutes later. But at 18 months, they need like three. <laughs> and after the first one, they, they remember. And so I'm sitting there and, and you have to like bear hug um, them. And so the first one goes in and then the, the tears just start. My little guy, I remember he just looked up at me like this, like turned around big brown eyes, big crocodile tears. And he just looks at me and he didn't say anything, but he looks at me like, why are you letting them hurt me? Why are you cooperating with this? Like, why aren't you making it stop? And I'm like, just hold on. It'll be over soon. You can have a really big cookie when this is all over. Like I'm here, but pain can be really hard to interpret. And because It's hard to interpret. It just makes us wonder these really deep questions about God, particularly, do I want to be close to somebody who lets me and those I love hurt? Is there a point to all of this pain? Is there hope for it? Because we all know that we have hard times that frequently cause it. Now, quickly, before we get into our text, I want to talk about a couple ways we try to manage our pain, because I think that it will help you to understand why we need a new strategy. One, we're like, just push through. Just push through, maybe like Google some things, fix some things, solve some things, organize some things, like outrun, keep yourself busy and just keep yourself so distracted that you don't have time to feel. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you're like, that sounds tiring. That's too much work. (laughs) I'm just going to avoid it. I'm just going to like binge out on Netflix or I'm going to binge out on something else. But no matter what it is, we just try at all costs to avoid pain, but we can't. So I want to ask you this morning... What is your strategy for your pain and how well is it working for you? How well is it working for you? I want to propose this morning a third option and this message that there is hope because we can bring our pain to the healer. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. Uh, I wear glasses or contacts. Anyone else here in the room? Now, does anyone forget to put their contacts in in the morning or glasses? You do, okay, well, your eyes must not be as bad as mine. But when I wake up, I don't typically forget because I have this problem called, I can't see. <laughs> like you get out of bed and you're like, it's blurry. And like, which kid is that? I can't really tell. And so we need right away. It's like, oh yeah, I need those because I, um, I need that perspective. I've also had it where I left my contacts in by accident. I woke up and I was like, I've been healed. Nope, <laughs> nope, I haven't. My eyes are just really dry and I left my contacts in <laughs> last night. But we don't typically forget to do that because we understand like we can't see correctly. And so I think this morning we need a new lens that we can look at our pain through. We need hope. We want to have a hope filled perspective. So if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verse 3 to 9. This passage is very near uh, and dear to my heart. And you'll find out why here. Um, in a minute, but I just want to say that God has a word for our pain. Yeah. God isn't like, well, I don't know, just hold on and you know, like He has a word, He has His presence, He has power available to us if we will lean in and we are willing to bring that to him this morning. so let's pray, Father, thank you that you call yourself um, healer. That's one of the names that you gave yourself. Lord, thank you that you are close to the brokenhearted. Thank you that you save those who are crushed in spirit. Lord, thank you that Jesus came to give us new life and give us hope. Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who's willing to hold out that painful thing or whatever that is that they are carrying right now. Lord, I pray that you bring a measure of healing here this morning. Lord, time does not heal everything you heal everything. So we are expectant. Would you give us humility this morning? Would you give us faith? Would you open our hearts and minds to learn from your word? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. I want to talk for a minute about what this great mercy, new birth, and living hope means. So some of you know this story, but on May 5th, 2008, I was 22 years old. So you can do the math, see how old I am now. Uh, Mike and I were newlywed. we have been married about 10 months. We had just moved into our new little starter home we built in Lethbridge. I was in university. He was working and he'd just gotten home from work on this particular day. I was thinking about dinner and the phone rang and it was my dad. And as soon as I heard his voice, I knew that it wasn't a regular phone call. And the first thing he asked me was his mic home. And I said, yeah. And he said, are you sitting down? And I said, I am now and he said, I have ALS. It's fatal. The doctor said that I have two to five years to live. I was totally lost for words. I had no idea what ALS was, no idea of the journey that was ahead of us. I knew what fatal meant and I knew how to count and I knew that that wasn't very much time and I was just at a total loss. And when you get news like that, you just like... I don't know. It's like, the best way I can describe it is like being underwater. Like when you dive and everything's like blurry and you can't see straight and you can't hear anything. And you're just thinking like, what's, what's going on? So I remember, I don't remember what I said. I must've hung up the phone at some point. And I remember going to my living room and just kind of falling onto my knees and thinking like, what just happened? And then I remember saying, thank you to God. Now, It was the Holy Spirit at that moment, because I can guarantee you I'm not that spiritual of a person who would just naturally want to just give thanks in that moment. But I remember saying, thank you for what you did in his life in 1986. That's when my dad got saved. That's when he found this living hope. That's when he had his new birth. And I knew that because of that, that whatever journey was ahead of us was going to have hope still. I just, I knew that in that moment. I remember saying, thank you that you saved him. Thank you that he modeled what faith looked like for us. Thank you that I grew up with a loving father. Thank you that you chose him to be my dad. And I don't remember a lot of very specific things, but I do remember I ran out of time that day before I ran out of things to be grateful for. Now, I want to tell you this because I think sometimes we get a little bit extreme, especially when we try to be spiritual about things like pain or like, yeah, it's okay because you can be great. No, I want to tell you that being thankful did not erase or even minimize the pain. What it did do was it reminded me of how faithful God had been in the past and that he was still trustworthy in the present. Okay, now a word that we would do well to kind of eliminate from our vocabulary when we're, when we're in pain and when we're talking to people who are in pain would be the word but. And I would suggest substituting it with the word and. <laughs> like, this is really hard, but, no, no, no. This is really hard and God is really faithful. This is really sad and God can still be trusted. When you say but, you're like, cancel out everything that you just said before. And we can hold these things that feel like they're intention when we're willing to sit there in that space. So I knew that I had no idea what lay ahead and it was a hard road that was ahead, but I knew that we had hope. Now, what is hope? Sometimes I think people think hope's like a cruel word because it's like, well, hope sometimes just, like, it's like, well, I had hope that things were going to work out and then they didn't. And then I felt crushed, but this is what hope is. Hope is confident expectation of future blessing based on facts and promises. Confident expectation of future blessing based on facts and promises. Now, if you read the Bible and that song that we just sang, you know that that's true. It's like we win in the end. Jesus is victorious. We also know that here we are here on earth, and sometimes we get those glimpses and those realizations of heaven here on earth, and sometimes we hold on to that hope that those things are coming. Confident expectation of future blessing. So in this passage here, Peter's writing to scattered believers who are going through trials. And I would encourage you to read this whole letter this week. It's only five chapters long. And there's themes that will emerge. And Peter talks a lot about suffering over and over. He says, even later on in the the book, he says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials that are happening as if something strange was going on. Like, what? I I didn't know this was going to be hard. He says, no, no, no. Like, expect hard times. Jesus said in this world, you will have suffering, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So he will talk about these themes of suffering and hope and future glory. And I love that the first thing that he says here, if you could go back to the slide with the verse, is he says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word blessed is where we get the word eulogize. So if you go to a funeral and you hear a eulogy, typically they're like, here's all the best things about this person. They are speaking well of somebody when they eulogize. And he's saying, Peter, who's gone through some things, he's saying, blessed be God. He's speaking well of God, choosing to do that. And he says, because of his great mercy, because of his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. Great mercy. Now I wanna just park here for a second. Because if we want to remember that there is hope, we have to remember what God has already proven to us. We have to remember that we were we were dead in our sin and that he made us alive in Christ, that he gave us this new birth. He gave us this living hope. And I just want to talk for one second here, because I think when you talk about something like mercy, you're like, okay, I read God is merciful and I get that. And, but sometimes if we're honest, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because I already did that once. can only probably do that once in a, in a Sunday morning. But sometimes we feel like God is mad at us and that God is mean. Yeah, I said it. Sometimes if we're being honest, the things that God allows in our life feel mean. And sometimes we feel like no matter what I do, no matter how hard I try, just I feel like he's just not happy with me and we feel like he's mad. So what do we do when scripture says he has, he's great in mercy, he's rich in mercy, but we have these conflicting feelings. Now let's talk about mercy for a second. Mercy means kindness or goodwill toward the miserable or the afflicted joined with a desire to help them. Uh, So last June I was coming back from a ladies retreat with a group of friends and one of our friends started to feel a bit ill at the airport. Now, if you have hurt feelings or broken heart, I'm your girl. I have mercy. If you feel like you're going to vomit, I'm not your girl. I'm like, as soon as so, I don't know what it is, but like when Mike and I had kids, I was like, I'll do the diapers, but you have to, I just, I don't, I just don't do that. I don't love it. I hate, no, no one loves it, but like, I don't. And so my, our friend starts to feel ill, and this is me immediately. I'm like, <laughs> Like, okay, I don't want to sit next to you on the airplane. Like I don't, I just like, I'm backing away. And another friend in our group, she's a very talented nurse and she's like spiritual gift of mercy, like to the T she's like a magnet. So as I'm like, (laughs) I don't want your sickness. She's like, how can I help you? Do you need seven up? Let me take your bag. I'm going to switch seats with the person beside you so I can like tend to you and care for you. And she is full of great mercy. She moves towards people who are hurting, people who are sick, and is joined not just with a, oh, I feel for you. Like, I'm going to move towards you with compassion. I'm going to help you. This is what our God is like. He's rich in mercy. He is great in mercy. And the reason we have to understand who God is and what he says about himself, not just what we feel, is because Lisa Turkhurst, she's a woman who's written a lot of really great books, gone through a lot of pain and God's brought a lot of purpose through it. But she says this, an inaccurate understanding of God will lead to an inaccurate understanding of our circumstances. So if we get the character of God wrong and we start to look through that lens, then we're going to begin to see our circumstances in that same way. Now I'm just going to do this like super duper fast uh, because I think this is important. And if you want to learn more about this. You can do that later. But there's one place in the very beginning of scripture where I think God's mercy is on display. But if we, if we read it too quickly, we can think that it's evidence that God's mean and God's mad. And that's in the very beginning. You can turn there if you have Genesis 2. And I don't know if you're familiar with this story, but God basically creates everything. And he puts a tree in the middle of the garden. And then he gives the people that he's just created this restriction. He says, do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, because if you do, you will die. Now, if you're reading this, not through the lens of a God who is rich in mercy and great in mercy, you might think trying to set people up to fail or what? (laughs) Like if I put a pack of candy in front of my three-year-old and I surround it by Brussels sprouts and mushrooms and and I'm like, don't eat this or you'll die. She'll be like, "Okay, okay, right? Candy, candy, candy. And that's sometimes how we think about God, that God has these good things. And then he's like, but don't have them. You can't have them. I'm going to keep them out of your reach. But when you read that passage, it actually says the Lord caused to grow every tree, pleasing in appearance and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then God gave them just one restriction. Just don't eat of this one, but there is all. So it was not a pack of Halloween candy in the midst of Brussels sprouts and mushrooms and all the vegetables that you hated as a child. This is like the whole store, (laughs) like everything, cherries, blueberry. I mean, all the things God caused everything to grow with one restriction. The tree wasn't a mean thing. The tree provided the choice and to be free and to choose to love, we need to have the ability to choose. So the tree wasn't a mean move. The tree was a merciful move. Now, the second place where I used to think that this proved kind of God was mad was when they did eat of the tree and their spiritual death was imminent, happened right away. And then their physical death was, sorry, immediate. And then their physical death was going to be imminent. And then God sends them out of the garden. And if you read that again, not through the lens of God is rich in mercy. You're just like, well, see, they screwed up. And then you were mad and you kicked them out. But if you read actually what it says, and I read this so many times and then probably like five years ago, I was reading it and I'm like, what? How did I miss this? It says, Genesis 3.22, since man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil, he must not reach out, take from the tree of life, eat and live forever. So that tree that was in the middle of the garden, what would have happened before they sinned if they ate from the tree of life that God gave them the freedom to eat from? Live forever. So if they had obeyed, they had followed, they had made the choice to trust, to obey, to love, sin would not have entered the world. We would not be needing a sermon on pain. (laughs) We would not be living in brokenness because they would have been in this perfect Eden forever, but that's not what happened. So it says when he drove the man out, he says, we don't want them now in this broken, sinful state to eat from the tree of life and be separated from me forever. So he says he sent them out and he placed, you know, the flaming sword and the cherubim there to guard the way to the tree of life. And when I read this through that other lens of God who is rich in mercy, I thought, oh, that was really kind of you. (laughs) That was kind of you to block the way to something that would have resulted in our permanent destruction. And that's why it's so important. we have to, we have to get into the word. We have to read the word. We have to understand the word because this tells us who God is. This tells us the lens that we should be looking at our circumstances and our life and earth and eternity all through. God is rich in mercy and we have to remember what he's already proven. And that's just the first, like, (laughs) that's the story at the beginning. If you read the whole Bible, you will find story after story after story. So it says, because of his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope. Now, if you read the Bible, you're gonna see they were pointing towards somebody who was gonna come, somebody who was going to give us that permanent hope, someone who was gonna give us that new life. And it was Jesus who finally comes on scene in the New Testament, and he restores to us the spiritual life that was lost in the garden. And we have this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says, you have now this inheritance. So number one, if you want to look through the lens of hope, you have to remember what God has already Proven. And I promise you, no matter how intense and great the pain is going through, if you start down a road of counting your blessings, it's not going to make your pain go away. It's not going to make your life easier. It's going to shift your perspective to a God that has been faithful in the past and a God who can be trusted in the present. Verse five, he says, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You rejoice in this even now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want to look at verse five there for a second. He says, you are being guarded by God's power through what? Faith. Faith. Through faith. Now, if you read the Bible and you see different like displays of God's power, and then you begin to understand that's what's protecting me when pain leaves me pretty vulnerable, that's a pretty amazing promise. But how do we access it? We can't say, That statement without those last two words there, we are being guarded by God's power through faith. Now, what does that mean? Because this is the how, this is how we bridge our lives, what we feel, what we think, what we're going through into this thing that we have available to us in God. Faith is that confident expectation. And there's four just statements that I heard from a Bible teacher years ago that have stuck with me. Faith is God is is who he says he is. If God says he is faithful, he is faithful. I believe that I have confident expectation that God will be faithful to me. I have confident expectation that God will be kind to me, even when it doesn't feel like what he's allowing in my life is kind. I have confident expectation that he is for me, not against me, that he loves me. I have confident expectation that God can do what he says he can do. If God says he can heal me, he can heal me. If God says he can comfort me when I am mourning, he can comfort me. If God says he can take all things and he can work them together for my good, then even when everything looks dire and hard and sad, it is still true. Faith is believing God. I am who God says I am. And I can do all things through Christ. This is not a passive thing where we're like, yeah, like active, like, God, this has to be true. When I was going through, uh, when we were walking with my dad and through that season with ALS, I was in the works. I was like, I need this to be true. I don't have another choice. I don't have a plan B. There's nothing that I can do to get out of this situation that we are in. So this has to be true or we're not going to make it. And I can tell you that it is. It is. Read the book. You can't believe it if you don't know it. Our minds are so prone to deception, our emotions, all of these things, when we are not allowing the word of God to renew our minds in what is true. Something else that he says here that we can grab a hold of, that we can have faith in. He calls our suffering, he says, for a short time. Now, when I had little kids, people were like, just don't just enjoy it. Cause it's going to go fast. And you're like, do you know how long these days go on? And then they would say, well, yeah, the, the days are long, but the years are short. And I can say that, yes, that is true. But man, those days can be long, but the years are short and the same is true with our suffering. When you are suffering, man, it just feels like it's just going to go on forever. Now I just want to say this. It's not, he's not saying it's no big deal. He's saying in light of compared to it's short compared to eternity. Labor is not nothing, but compared to the joy of raising kids, it is a short kind of thing. Another thing that he's saying here, trial and pains have purpose. They will refine your faith. They will prove your faith genuine. In the current pain you're enduring, the thing that's hard that you're facing, you have a unique opportunity for faith that you probably won't have that specific opportunity again. Think about that. Then all of a sudden, oh, okay, God, what is it you want me to believe about you? and about me, and about my life in this particular situation. And the other thing that Peter says here, he says that our faith is valuable to God. He says it's more valuable than gold, a valuable earthly substance. Now listen to this. This is from the Warren Wiersbe commentary. He says, no goldsmith would deliberately waste precious ore. He would put it in the smelting furnace long enough to remove cheap impurities. Then he would pour it out and make from it a beautiful article of value. It has said that an Eastern goldsmith kept the metal in the furnace until he could see his face reflected in it. So our Lord keeps us in the furnace of suffering until we reflect the glory and beauty of Jesus Christ. To remember that there is hope, number two, we have to park our minds, park our lives where there is protection. And that is in the promises of God. In 2014, Airdrie had an intense hailstorm. And it left every house in our neighborhood looking like a drive-by shooting had just happened, like with just <laughs> all the, just holes. And our van and our truck were parked six feet apart, and our truck was a total write-off, and our van was totally unscathed. Any guesses? He's like, obviously Stephanie garage, because the van was protected. The van was inside of something that took the brunt. The garage was damaged, but that took the brunt, and the van had no. Damage Now, I'm not saying, it doesn't mean, you know, in storms and pain that it's like, you don't hear it, you don't, you're not affected by it, but it doesn't have to damage us when we are being guarded by God's power through faith. Verse eight, he says, though you have not seen him, you love him, though not seeing him now you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. He said that in John. And I wanna say that even when you can't see the good that God is bringing from your pain, even when you don't understand, you can still trust. You can still trust him. You can still walk by faith. You can still you know, continue to do the things that you know God has called you to do. You can still love him. 2 Corinthians four sixteen to 18, it says, therefore we do not give up even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. Listen to what he says about the trials of this life. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen for what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. Okay. Now, If you want to offend somebody who's in pain, just be like, Oh, your pain is light and momentary. That's not what he's saying. Exactly. He's saying compared to, so it's not that in the moment it feels light and momentary. He's saying compared to the glory that one day God will reveal through this compared to that. That's when it becomes light and momentary affliction because it's producing something in us that's going to last forever. Romans 8.18 says something similar. Yet we suffer now, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. Number three, to remember that there is hope. We have to rejoice in that reward. Just knowing God, this is not for nothing. You are not going to waste my pain there is something coming on the other side, even if I have to wait till I'm on the other side of eternity in heaven to see your promises come to pass. And I can tell you 14 years later, some of those promises that God made in that season, some of those things that I took by faith have, I have come to pass. There's times where we have gone through. I remember, um, if you've read my book that I wrote about this journey and about, um, my dad's life, one of the questions I had for God was like, what about the, Like, what about when Emily gets married? What about when I have kids and they don't get to meet him? And what about, and some of those things have come to pass and God has been present there with us. He's been faithful and he's had what we needed for those times and for those moments. It doesn't mean that it it's, it's not going to be for nothing. If suffering today for the believer is hope and glory for tomorrow, then suffering becomes a unique blessing to us because it's an opportunity to take God at his word. Now, again, this doesn't mean we ignore our pain. It doesn't mean we minimize our pain. It doesn't mean we turn a blind eye. Now, if you want to start memorizing scripture, you can do that right now. John 11, 35 says this, Jesus wept. (laughs) Jesus wept. Now, this story, I love this story because he was about to do a miracle in this story and he did do a miracle and he did not come in and say, everybody stop crying. Everybody wipe your tears. It's going to be fine. Just wait a minute. He took the time and he moved in and he had compassion and he was moved with grief to be with his friends. God gave us emotions, not so they could be the Lord of our lives, but so they could be felt and experienced and then surrendered. So if we wanna live with this perspective, there is hope. Remember what God's already proven. Park where there is protection in the promises of God and take joy or rejoice in the reward that you know will one day be yours. Now, remember my friend I told you about at the beginning, that crazy thing she said, how she loved labor. Something about knowing that all that pain is going to result in something beautiful and precious. Now I wanna leave you with a quick story this is from a book called Hindspeed on High Places. It's like an allegory written kind of about the Christian journey. And there's this journey of this girl and her name is actually Much Afraid. That's her name. And she goes on this journey and she wants to go to the high places, but she has to go through all of these things in order to get there. And along the way, every time she wants to give up, God, the great shepherd in the story, he has her build an altar, lay down whatever she's kind of struggling with. And then there's this moment where it's consumed on the altar and then there's a little rock left. And then he says to her, pick up the rock, put it in your bag and carry it with you. So she has from this journey, this kind of collection of these very basic, you know, rocks, gravel type of thing. Now, when she gets to the very end, this is what he says to her, give me the bag of stones of remembrance you've gathered on your journey. And he gives her a new name, grace and glory. She took it out and passed it to him, and then he bade her hold out her hands. Then she gasped again with bewilderment and delight, for instead of the common ugly stones she had gathered from the altars along the way, there fell into her hands a heap of glorious, sparkling jewels, very precious and very beautiful. As she stood there half-dazzled by the glory of the flashing gems, she saw in his hand a circlet, a crown of pure gold. Supposing she had thrown them away. She discarded her trust in all of his promises, had gone back on her surrenders to his will. There could have been no jewels now to his praise and glory, no crown for her to wear. This life is painful and there is sadness and there's great hard things that you and I have walked through and will continue to walk through. And it will never be for nothing. The story has stuck with me just thinking about that moment of going, man, there's so many times I just wanted to just let go. And just this, this is too hard. It's too painful. It's too sad. And God going, no, just hold on. I've got you. Just keep holding on. God is not silent about our pain. He's not silent about this life. And he promises if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. I challenge you, draw near, open his words, see what he says, see what he has promised you and hold on for dear life. Let's pray. God, thank you that you're present with us in our pain. You've given us living hope. You've given us yourself and you are with us. And that is our greatest need when we are in pain to know that we are not alone. You've given us your great presence. So Father, I pray today that you would increase our faith. I pray for anyone in this room who's just like (sighs) frozen in their fear or their pain, just going, it's too hard. I don't even know how I would surrender this. Lord, I just pray that there would be a release and just a surrender in this room today. Lord, and that your spirit would move here this morning and bring healing, Lord, to where we need it. In your name we pray. Amen.